And welcome to tonight's podcast. We have none other than Alexi Bower coming live to us from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Alexi, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, Kenny. Thanks for having me on. We're going to talk about tonight. First off, how was your summer, Alexi? Any good highlights of the summer that you had this year? Um, any fun things that you did? Let's go ahead and give our, our listeners a recap of what you did that was fun this summer. Yeah, been a great summer. Actually, I made it out to the East Coast for the first time. Got to visit some really cool cities. Went over to D.C., Philly and New York and uh, had a blast there. Went there for about about a little over a week. So spent my time doing a little vacation and nothing else, nothing other than that. Weren't you telling me that you went to a couple ball games as well? Any favorite stadiums that you suggest our listeners attend as a Cardinal fan? Yeah, you know, I I always love to look around and see different stadiums in the majors. Um, The one I really was surprised about, I I wasn't too big on the National Stadium. Uh, (laughs) Didn't really didn't really feel like there was a a good atmosphere around the stadium, and just kind of seemed bland. But I really did enjoy going into Yankee Stadium and seeing that. Uh, Didn't really think there was much to do around there either, but it was really cool, really historic. So I thought Yankee Stadium was awesome. Stadium was the highlight of my summer in terms of a ballpark perspective. You got to go back there by the memorial to see all the Yankee greats. And just being in the stadium makes you feel like you're a part of tradition. So I definitely have to agree with you on that one. Very cool stadium. Totally. And you really enjoyed those Philly cheesesteaks out there in Philadelphia out here, right? Oh, yeah. The Philly cheesesteaks are unreal. I mean, if if you've had one anywhere (laughs) beside Philadelphia, then – you haven't had a real one until you go to Philadelphia because they are the real deal. And I can't wait to go back to have another one. I agree. Sonny's cheesesteaks. This podcast is brought to you by Sonny's cheesesteaks, cheesecake right downtown in old town, Philadelphia. I didn't really, wasn't a fan of the Liberty bell. Everyone's got a hard on for the Liberty bell, standing in line, watching it. You can basically Google it. And that's as much as you're going to see. Thoughts on the livery bell? Yeah, the livery bell was, was <laughs> weird. I mean, there was a super long line for it, and you would literally just walk up to the bell and, like, you don't really do anything. You just look at it. I mean, it, it's just a bell. I mean, I feel like I, I could go down to my church and look at the bell. Like, it's the same thing. So <laughs> I, I understand the historic parts about it. It's really cool and all. But, I mean, I was standing outside by a glass window, took a picture, and it was perfectly fine. It looked like I was right there. So. I agree. The historical implications of Philadelphia are really cool. You have the Declaration of Independence. You do have the Liberty Bell and all those other cool things uh, about Philadelphia. So yeah, not, Phil- to, not to cool knock city. off the history, but yeah, Phil- Philadelphia is definitely a cool city. Philly was a cool city. I liked the, uh, old, the old part about it, too. That was really cool. And a lot of the, um, the buildings and, and places there are really close to each other. So I thought that was pretty unique. Awesome. So let's get back into the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. So you and I had this discussion about a month ago, talking about the season, talking about the playoffs, and talking about how fans could get interested and how the commissioner can make fans more interested in baseball again. So what are some of some of the highlights we talked about? About cutting the playoffs down. We talked about we talked about adding additional teams. So let's kind of give our listeners a recap of what we talked about that night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's simple. I mean the normal baseball fan can watch 162 games, but if you're trying to attract more people, I think you have to limit that many games because, you know, the the normal fan that watches these games, well, yeah, like like I said, like a diehard fan like me can handle that. But if you're trying to attract – So time out. Time out. You say a diehard fan can handle 162 games. If you're the commissioner you're trying to attract more fans, what day are you cutting off the last part of the season and starting the playoffs? You know, actually, I, I think – 
the last regular season game should come on that Labor Day weekend. And okay. that next week is where you could start the playoffs. You have that whole month of September, and you can just go right into October, early October. That way you're playing you're playing the most important games still in decent weather. I mean, once you, once you hit October, you don't know what the weather is going to be like in Chicago. It could be snowing and 30 degrees. New York, same thing. So you're playing your most important games in – um, in October Terrible weather. and it's cold. Well, you can limit that. You can you can take that away and you can play and limit the games to you know let's say 100, 140 or something, and play that play the the most important games in the weather that these players have played all year. So I think I have to agree with you. Thing. I think one hundred and sixty two games way too much. I think by 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 sometimes in June you already know who's going to be in the playoffs, right? You have three division leaders. And I think if you cut the amount of games, I think the, the season is shorter, so maybe more teams are invested longer into the season and think they have a playoffs. I think if you add eight teams in each division and cut off the divisions and make it like kind of like what the NBA and NHL does, not the NHL anymore, but kind of what the NBA does, top eight teams make the playoffs, I think that's more exciting, right? Yeah, and, and I almost feel like September is like a waste in a way because you're bringing up all these guys and you got, you know you have tons of teams that are already out of it and I'm, I'm sure you have you have teams that are still fighting for those spots and and that makes it fun but in a way like like you have all these guys coming up and you're gonna see teams like the Royals and the Tigers playing a bunch of guys who are just terrible and I, I don't know I just feel like it's it's kind of like a waste and you just need to do something to where you're gonna absolutely attract the fans that can't stand being able to watch 162 games and just bring that, bring that back. So maybe, yeah, add, add a couple teams to the playoff mix so that you can have, you know, the season over by, by the end of August. And I, I don't think baseball does it right currently either with the first round having a five best of five game series for one of the most important rounds in baseball, the opening round, first round of baseball, you're going to make a best of five series. Yeah. Every other, every other playoff does best of seven. Why is MLB doing best of five? Yeah, I mean, I've never understood that. Um, I also don't really like the tiebreaker game. I mean, that's one game. Like, yeah, you fight for the wild card. But okay, sure, those teams maybe might not deserve it as much as the division winners. But, I mean, still, that's that's a playoff spot. And you're literally banking on one game to make it to the division series. And, yeah, like you said, the division series, five games, I don't get it. Like, play a seven-game series and let it be. Like, that's how it should be. There should be no five-game series. Awesome. So that's our thoughts, folks, on MLB, that they should cut the season to end around Labor Day weekend. Playoffs should start in that time frame and continue on from there. So let's move into the Cardinals. Are they a legit contender? You know, if you asked me this a couple weeks ago, I'd say probably not. But they've really turned it on, and I think that you can't shy away from their success they've had lately. So as a big fan that you've been watching, what's been the the big turnaround, as you've said, from the past two weeks? What's been I mean, that key moment for the Cardinals? To be honest, I mean, the starting pitching has just been unreal. And that's something that we really struggled with all year. And I still don't think we should not have made a – we shouldn't have not made a move at the deadline for a starter. I mean, that's going to – imagine if we had a starter right now. But Flair so – think we should have made a, You think we should have made a move at the deadline? But, but the big key was – was just the starting rotation has been unreal. I mean, Jack Flaherty's been amazing. He just won Player of the Month uh, in the National League as a pitcher. And Jack Flaherty, or sorry, uh, Dakota Hudson's been unreal too. Another game today where he didn't give up a run. So I think the pitching's been pretty good. Um, it's set the tone, and the offense 
you know, at times it, it goes crazy and scores runs, and sometimes it doesn't. But the pitching's been there, and the bullpen's been solid as well. So, what about Yadier Molina? That guy is unreal for the age that he is still producing, handling our bullpen. I think a lot of that success you talk about the pitching has to do with Yadier. Yeah, I mean, agree? I'm not going to even sit here and explain it. I've already done this multiple <laughs> times. If if you don't know, if you don't know what Yadier Molina is doing right now and at his age and still producing, then you don't know baseball. And if you think he's not a Hall of Famer, you also don't know baseball. So please, um, th- that discussion just needs to end and just realize what this guy's doing with all the innings he catches every single day and still puts up the numbers that he does. So it's unreal. And there's a lot of people out there that don't think that he's a Hall of Famer, and, which and, is, be- which is beyond me. There's, no- there's, nothing- there's nothing that shows that he's not a Hall of Famer the guy dominated his position for nine years straight winning gold gloves. I mean, come on, like it's ridiculous. So what's your prediction of the Cardinals? What are they going to do this year? Are they going to actually get past the first round? Cause we have a tough matchup if we're going to play Washington. Well, right? here's the thing. If, if, if we win the division, which I think, I mean, it's September and we're in first place. We have, we have the edge right now. I mean, obviously the big, the big, the big games are going to be when we play four at Chicago three at home against Chicago and that's going to be seven of the last 10 games. So that'll be a crucial series. Um, you know what, with how well we're playing right now, I think that'll keep going. I think we have a nice series coming up against Pittsburgh. We should take advantage of that. And then, um, the rest of the work will do itself, but I think we can win this division, um, and come playoffs. I mean, anything can happen. You saw what happened in 2011 and 2006. We had no business winning the world series. So, I'm not going to say we're going to go out there and win the World Series, but I think we could absolutely. 2006 and 2011, we had a guy named Albert Pujols, though. So when you have a guy like that who's a game changer, they can stick into your lineup and put some people around him, I think you can be a contender anytime you have a playmaker like him. With this team, I don't think we have that guy, especially offensively, but I think that, like you said, our offense has turned it around in the past two weeks. Guys have been collectively hitting better. Guys like Colton Wong, Harrison Bader, um, ever since he went back down to Memphis, has came back up alive, and he's not sinking anymore. His head's above water. And Molina, like we talked about, it's been, it's been incredible. So we've had a collective group of guys hitting, which has been putting less pressure on some of our big bats. Yeah. So I think that up and down the lineup, we've been pretty balanced. And and I think if we I think if we do win the division, um, the most likely team we would play would be the Atlanta Braves. And I think we could absolutely take the Braves. I think the Braves are a good team, but I don't see anything special in their pitching and their bullpen. So I think if it came down to that, we would have the edge, but um, getting past the Dodgers would probably be the toughest part. I mean, Dodgers are, are, are pretty good up top to bottom. Um, as, as a fan, I would love to see us do it and, and, and get past them. But as a realist, I just don't see it. So Awesome team that you are most scared of maybe from the American League yeah from the American League I mean it's, you have to go with Houston it's right? obvious Houston's Houston real they New have, York um Verlander Cole and Granke I mean that's a top three right there that anybody would love to have um I think any one of those guys I mean would love to have they're right? probably gonna be in the World Series and if they're not I'd be shocked but um you know to not talk about all these big teams, I'm just, I want to talk a little bit about Oakland. I mean, the Oakland Athletics are are such an underrated team, and people don't give them attention. I mean, you see some guys in their lineup, and you might not even know who they are, but they're actually pretty <laughs> damn good, and they have a good rotation. I mean, Oakland's put it together, and I'm pretty impressed with them. Uh, I think 
if they were to get into the you know division round because they're going to get a wild card. If they were to get into the division series, they're going to they're going to be a tough out. They have a good bullpen, good good solid rotation, and the offense is there too. So don't sleep on awesome. the Oakland, so quick. Don't sleep on the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, I agree with you. They do have an up and down rotation, um, solid five guys, and they also have a lineup that, like you said, you don't really know who the lineup is, but they're they're all guys that hit 280. Hit 20 home runs and have over 80 RBIs. So these are all guys that are contact hitters, hit for power as well. Um, so Oakland Athletics are a sneaky team to look out for once the playoffs start. So really quick, give us your prediction, World Series, and who wins. Oof. Prediction for the World Series and who wins it. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not doing chalk here. You know, I'm, I'm not doing chalk. I know you don't, like, don't chalk. like chalk. Both don't like chalk. Everybody's gonna take the Dodgers. Everybody's gonna take the Astros. That's not fun. You know, it's right. not fun. So let's go out and let's be let's be special. But you have to be you have to be realistic too. I'm gonna be realistic. I've been saying this for the past month, and I'm gonna stick by it. I wish their bullpen was better, but I'm gonna stick by what I'm saying. I think the Washington Nationals are legit. I think their offense is really good. I wow. think they have a great starting starting pitching rotation. Tell me you don't want Max Scherzer. Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, your top three guys in the rotation. That's a scary freaking rotation if you ask me. So I think the Nationals are going to come out of the National League. They're going to they're going to win that wild card game. They'll beat the Dodgers in that first round wow. while the Dodgers are waiting for them. And then they'll take care of whoever they play in the NLCS. And they'll get to their first World Series without Bryce Harper. And everybody's going to say, wow. how is that happening? And they're going to say, well, we still had a good, pretty damn good team. And and the Nationals are going to get there, and they're going to play. I, I just can't go against. I, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to pick chalk, but I, I'm going to have to here. I'm going to say they'll play Houston. And uh, give me Washington. Washington's going to pull a St. Louis Blues and wow. go off the World Series. Washington <laughs> Nationals. Wow. That's my pick. You heard, first, you heard first here, folks, on the Late Night Podcast, Lexi Bowler takes the Washington Nationals to win over – the Houston Astros. Well, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I am not going to take Washington. I think Los Angeles will win the World Series, and they will play against the New York Yankees. I think the Yankees will defeat the Houston Astros pretty easily, um, and the Yankees will go to the World Series, and Los Angeles will beat them in the World Series. So I think it's going to be East Coast, West Coast World Series this year. Los Angeles wins. Real, in seven games. Real quick about the Yankees. I, I do like them too. Um, I think their rotation is, is, is pretty weak and can, can flame up at times, but that's not really a huge thing with them. I think their bullpen is what would save them in a big series like that with the Astros. I think they have a ton of studs in there like Chapman, um, Britton, Adovino. Um, so having that bolder um, bullpen is going to help them, I think, in the playoffs. So I, I, kinda, I do like that. That's why I stay away from the Nationals. I can't. I don't trust them. I know. Sean and Doolittle has been terrible. He's been on my fantasy team this year. The guy's blown so many games. Just recently went on the DL for an undisclosed injury. They said it was his knee, but they, they think that they really were giving the guy some arm rest, and I don't feel confident yeah, with their bullpen. They've blown too many games, um, but they're not as bad as the Mets, though, blowing games in that whole situation. So. Look, their bullpen is brutal. I get that. And I think every, I, I think every National League team – has a pretty bad bullpen, and believe it or not, I think the Cardinals have the best one, which is really sad to say because I don't think I. They do the numbers crazy. don't lie. Yeah, the numbers That's, don't lie, and they do. So stats they haven't given up a home run it's, over like in a month. It's, it's been astronomical. The bullpen, the numbers, and 
and what they've done and when in the situations they've come into. So the Cardinals bullpen has been great. Um, so let's move on and talk some college football. Um, any big headlines for, from week one that, that you noticed besides the four SEC teams losing? Um, I mean, nothing crazy. Nothing, nothing really stood out to me. Um, I, I think the first couple of weeks are just kind of see what teams do, see where the upsets are, and see where the big teams stand out. But I think once once you hit like week four, week five, is gonna where you're gonna see the real teams come out and and who has who has that impactful player who's gonna have that Heisman possible trophy winner. Um, but yeah, week one was kind of just like a eh, whatever kind of week for me. So a couple things that bounced out to me: Mizzou lost on the road at Wyoming. You saw the transfer quarterback from Clemson, Kelly Bryant, make his debut with the University of Missouri. And they go on the road and lay an egg. Yeah, it's I, I have nothing to say for that. I mean, that's embarrassing. You should never lose a game like that to Wyoming. And uh, I absolutely have no sympathy for Mizzou fans. I'm sorry, but it's terrible. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you saw Jalen Hurts, former quarterback at Alabama, make his debut with Oklahoma. He looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an impressive win. Um, he looked really good. He had a good game. But, I mean, come on. Houston defense looked like it was – like a JV high school team running around <laughs> out there. Like they couldn't tackle. And I was, I couldn't believe half the guys that were out there trying to tackle Jalen Hurts and half the other team. So, so for fun, Alexi and I took the under. We thought that with Jalen Hurts making his debut and the new offense, that they weren't going to score more than 80 points. However, do you want to tell them about the bad beat at the end? Yeah, it was pretty brutal. So <laughs> OU was up, I think, by at least 13, right? They're up. No, no yeah, sorry, it was around like there. 11. It was by 11. And they got the ball, like, maybe at midfield with, like, a little over a minute left. And Houston went for the onside kick, yep. failed onside kick attempt. And so Oklahoma recovered. So Oklahoma broke out a big run, and I thought they were going to score, but Houston somehow tackled them. And somehow <laughs> um, they broke another run and got down to, like, I don't know, the, the 10, 12 yard line. And then inside the red zone, there's, yeah. There's seconds left, like, 30 seconds and of course they run another play and score a touchdown and and it it doesn't hit so that was a terrible bad beat I was lucky enough that I grabbed it early and it was still 80 so I at least hit the tiebreaker um pushed for fun so pushed yep Uh, in the betting world as we call it um one more team we want to talk about the big 12 and that's Oklahoma State our alma mater um very happy to see their performance in week one. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think you can't really go too crazy about week one, like I said, but you can't be um, mad about what they did either. I think the offense came out and showed what they're capable of doing your uh, game in and game out every week. So I think that's a really very good positive thing. Um, the, I just want to see the defense get better. I mean, it's simple. Like the offense is going to get the, is going to be there. It's going to get you points, but the defense needs to improve and and make stops when it needs to. So you got to make stops, especially on third and long in those situations. Mm-hmm. We let Oregon State get a couple first downs and they shouldn't have. Um, a couple other things I really enjoy about the game. I'm going to share that I wrote down. Sean Gleason, the new offensive coordinator, he looked great out there. There weren't any plays where I was scratching my head. There weren't any plays where I was like, what are we doing? Why aren't we running it? Why aren't we passing it? I thought he played the game pretty well, played his cards pretty well for his first game. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that was awesome. Um, having the play calls be that be that good in a game that we haven't seen in years, it's, it's nice to see. Um, 
there's been so many I plays mean, over the years with our with former yourself. offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich. You didn't know what was going to be called on third and long when you think that they'd be passing, they'd be doing some stupid run. So a lot of a lot of questionable calls under the offensive coordinator we used to have. So it was very nice to see um, Spencer Sanders, a Texas high school player of the year, break out in his first start. I was kind of nervous about who Mike Gundy was going to have as as the as a starting quarterback, but it was nice to see our big four-star prospect, a Texas high school player of the year, make his debut, and he looked pretty well as well. Yeah, I mean, you can't can't complain about that for a first game. I mean, he came out, he was probably a little nervous. Can't, I mean, that's typical. It's normal for any kind of college athlete making their first start, and uh, he came out and showed that he has potential. So I think that's a that's a that's a great sign. I am glad as well that uh, Gundy went with him and just said, you know what, he's our guy, he's our future. Let's let's go with him now. Um, and not play these who's going to start this week, who's going to start that week. I think it, it was good to just have him start and be that guy all game. The fan base has been craving him like a spicy chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A, so we need to see him out there. So I agree with you on that one, but both you and I agreed on that. Chuba Hubbard, running back for Oklahoma State, the guy who's going to go play on Sundays once he's finally done at OSU. Um, he racked up over 200 yards rushing, and he's currently leading the NCAA in rushing yards. Um, so hats off to Chuba Hubbard for making an impressive debut week one. Powerful runner with speed. So I'm looking forward to see what he can do the rest of the year. And one more player I'd like to call out was Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver, who should have won the Blitnikoff Award last year, came up second to whoever bummed from Alabama won. Um, but a lot of skilled players that make us an exciting team to watch and put up points. So you can't complain. Yeah, I mean, it was great seeing those two guys, our, our two big playmakers on the offense, uh, have a big game. And uh, hopefully when, when we're playing the big boys in the Big 12, they'll come out and, and take over and, and make us some big plays during the game. So. We have a couple of big matchups this week. We have LSU going to Texas. Um, thoughts on that, and do you like the spread? Which way? Yeah, so I see Texas is – underdogs and they have six and a half points um you know what i don't i don't know too much about either team to be honest um but for this early in the season and you're gonna give me that many points for a home dog i'm gonna take that all day i mean okay so you like texas at home plus six and a half i would i would take that and like i said i don't know like i don't know much about either team but i would take the home dog with that many points this early in the season i think it'll be a close battle um tom herman apparently has a great record as an underdog so i'm gonna go and roll with that okay then i like texas at home as well uh, i think they can handle lsu coming into town so it's gonna be a great matchup for college football just as a fan of the game college football to watch this weekend another big matchup we have is texas a&m against clemson clemson travels to texas a&m am i right about that yes no sorry it's at clemson at clemson Oh, at Clemson. I'm sorry. At Clemson. And I think they're 17-point favorites, Clemson. 17 and a half. 17 and a half. Who do you like there? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, Clemson's good, obviously. They're one of the best teams in college football, if not the best. And A&M, I mean, yeah, they're ranked number 12, but are they are they that good? We don't know. Um, 17 and a half is a lot of points. And like I said, I don't know if I would take that many in an early season game. So if I had to take it, I think I would go with A&M with the plus points. Uh, winning on the road is obviously tough, and, and playing on the road no matter what is, is going to be hard. But I would still take the points in that game with, with a big matchup. You know, A&M is a big, big boy team. They can, they can handle Clemson. 
they can they can keep it close. So that's who I'd roll with. Okay, you like Texas A&M on the road? I'm gonna have to agree with you that and take Texas A&M with the points. Um, we also have an announcement this weekend. We may be on College Game Day, folks, making our debut as ESPN has reached out to us for video of of Trevor Lawrence. Is that his name? The quarterback for Clemson. Yep. Trevor Lawrence. We shared a video on Twitter of him shoving somebody in an intramural basketball game, and ESPN said that we have the video, and we're the only sports entity that still has the video, which is unbelievable because we only have 600 followers on our Twitter page. But we may make a debut on College Game Day, so be on the lookout for that. Um, This part of your podcast is brought to you by Chick-fil-A. Get out there and try the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich. Add some American cheese. Take those pickles off. And you'll be running back to the bathroom real quick for number two. So um, let's move on to the NFL. <laughs> let's move on to NFL. Talk about some of your sleepers in fantasy this year. Who you like to come out of the woodworks that most people don't know about that are just casual fans? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if this would be considered a major sleeper, but I think a lot of people would agree that James Washington has a lot of potential to break out this year in Pittsburgh. Um, Antonio Brown left and he's going to hopefully slot into that number two spot. And he's just, he's just a competitor and he loves to, he, he he's super humble. And that's something I think Washington is going to, is going to be really good at when he gets, when he gets older and hopefully as a great run, receiver in the league, because there's a lot of receivers out there that, that are head cases and, and create drama, as you can see with Antonio Brown and James Washington. What a is, what a nightmare with the Antonio Brown situation, real quick. Like what a what a disgrace to yeah, it's a joke. The fans of Oakland, um, the Las Vegas Raiders, whatever the hell name their team is now. Like I don't know what team that they're playing for, what city they're playing for yeah. anymore. NFL is just a clusterfuck. But what an unbelievable thing that he's done and sp- spurring up all this negative energy for for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, they, they brought him in, you know, took him away from a situation that he didn't want to be in, and he's still going to act the same way. So, obviously, we know who the real problem was in Pittsburgh, right? Right. It's making every Pittsburgh Steelers fan so happy to see what this is going, doing um, the situation out in Oakland. Um, any more sleepers that we should know about that you should be adding on the waiver wire tonight at yeah, 2 a.m.? I mean, I've – I've done some reading on this guy's name's Darwin Thompson. If you don't know him, he's a running back with Kansas City. Uh, apparently, he is quick and can just make some big moves. He's uh, running back, like I said, running back with the Chiefs. Apparently, he goes well with Andy Reid's system. So, um, a lot of people think that he was a steal in the NFL draft. And um, one thing that might, you know, loom him from playing every day right now is obviously the signing of LaShawn McCoy. But it's not ever bad to keep a guy like that on your bench just because you never know with injuries and maybe the guy just breaks out and, and plays every day. Uh, you never know, but apparently he has a lot of potential and uh, just don't sleep on him. That's why he's called a sleeper. Darwin Thompson. Make sure you write that into your queue in the search bar to make sure that you're adding that guy. Um, one guy I like is Tyrell Williams, wide receiver for Oakland. We just talked about Antonio Brown, that whole messy situation. Doesn't look like Antonio Brown's going to be playing in the first couple weeks because of a suspension possibly looming. So start adding Tyrell Williams. He's going to be their number one go-to target for the Oakland Raiders, and they're a throw-heavy offense, especially if they're going to be losing games. They're going to be throwing the ball in the second half trying to catch up. So Tyrell Williams is a big target wide receiver. Uh, Marcel Aitman as well. A lot of people aren't talking about him. He did not make the team, however. He is on the practice squad to open up the year. 
a lookout for Marcel Aitman um, if this Antonio Brown situation continues to loom over out in Oakland. Any other any other sleepers that we're not talking about? Maybe some running backs for different teams where um, other situations are kind of loomy right now. Um, trying to think off the top of my head here. Um, Dallas got that situation figured yeah, out, so yeah, they're, they're good. That's pretty good. I think Zeke, Zeke's got Zeke. it for the rest of the year. San Diego, or yeah, Los Angeles, I, where the hell their I team mean, he's is. He's not a sleeper, but Austin Eckler. If if, if you drafted Melvin Gordon, you. I would assume you either hopefully got um, Eckler's Adam the Eckler backup because that guy's a stud too. Anyway, he can he can he can be potentially one of the best running backs if he stays healthy. So definitely add him if you haven't. I mean, he's on somebody's team right now. I know, but if you need to make a trade, go for it. That guy will start every day. Awesome. So those are all the sleepers that we were going to talk about for this week. Check back next week. We might have some more. We might not. We don't know. It depends on on what we decide to give you guys. So uh, follow us for some bets, some good picks, some over-under, some spreads. Uh, we're pretty good at it. If you don't believe us, check our track record. We like to get the picks out early. So, Lexi, enjoy your weekend. Any fun plans? Yeah, actually, I'm going over to the Stillwater for the Oklahoma State game. I'm going to go for the, for the home opener and uh, check it out. So who are they playing this weekend? McNeese State. Sounds like a big tough matchup down there in Stillwater. Yeah, unfortunately, we got to go see some some bum team come in. But hey, that's that's what college football does. They they put the hey. cupcakes on the schedule at the beginning, and I guess that's well, the preseason. Big Twelve does. SEC plays cupcakes still in the middle of the season. So um, going to Stillwater is always a good time. So I hope you have a good time down in Stillwater. I will be in Columbia, Missouri for West Virginia and Mizzou. They kick off at eleven a.m. So. Thanks for listening this week. Any final words? No, I think that's all, man. All right, sounds good. Good talking to you. Yep, thanks for having me on.